Good morning. It's wonderful to, to see everyone here this morning. If you are visiting with us, we want to thank you so much for being here with us this morning. You have blessed us with your, with your presence here this morning. We hope that the things that we study from God's Word is going to be beneficial in your life, is going to edify you, and is going to help build you up as you go out through day by day. Now, understand that any time that we get the opportunity to open the Bible and read it and study anything of it, it's going to benefit us in our lives. It's going to help us. It's going to improve us when we get to study God's Word. And I hope that, that this morning you, you'll see that benefiting. You'll see those things. And just like Ian said in his prayer, that we take the things that we study this morning, we take the things that we look at God's Word, and don't let it just stay in this room. We take it and we use it in our lives. We apply it in our lives, and we spread it out through our homes, through our jobs, through our work, through our school, and anything that we're doing this morning. I'm going to have most of the verses up here on the board. We are, we are going to be reading from the King James the Version this morning. There are a few times that we're going to read some, uh, a, a little bit longer reading. So if you have a Bible there or some other device that you have that you can study God's Word with us this morning, I'll encourage you to have it handy and have it ready as we look at the Scriptures together and we study God's Word. You know, Riley just graduated. So he's moving on in his life and things of that nature. He's staying home for a while, but he's moving on with his life. But it's really fantastic. It was great to see him, to see Corinna, to, to, to see other boys and girls that I know graduate and, 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 and celebrate those accomplishments. And they're about to be out in the world. And I hope that some of the things that I talk about this morning will impact them as well as it impacts us. That they're going to go out and meet more people. That they're going to go out and leave this place and go see other things and other people and interact with people. And I want them to take their Christianity with them and take that attitude that they should have with them so that they can improve not only their lives, but all those lives that they're going to meet as they start that journey. So this morning, we're going to have another attitude adjustment. And I wanted to mention rather when I said attitude adjustment, just because just I thought it'd make him laugh. But I've been going through a series of, of studies on my, on my um, chances that I get to speak on Sunday morning, and I'm talking about our attitudes and how we should adjust those attitudes, how we should improve those attitudes, and, and how we should look at those attitudes about our relationships. It's an attitude adjustment on our relationships, that we have many relationships while we're here on this earth. One of those relationships was our, our, our relationship with our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, our attitude towards God and Jesus Christ. If you can remember, if you can recall that lesson, we talked about how our attitude is a master-slave relationship, that many times people want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord, He is Master. God is Lord, he is God, he is master, and that we should have that relationship with them. That not just a relationship of, I'm a Christian, I'm going to go do what I want. That we are slaves, that we are servants for God, and servants for, for his son, Jesus Christ. And if you think about it that way, hopefully that attitude encourages you and pushes you in your Christianity. The last time that I spoke, we had our attitude towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you recall, during that lesson, I talked about how we should have an attitude that of putting the needs and the desires of our brothers and sisters above our own. And that's how we make that stronger connection. As I said, we build upon those relationships where I look at you or you look at me in, in a way that I want to make sure I know what is best for that person, that we put their needs above our own. And we talked about those things. We talked about love, how we should have that love for each other and how that love will help us constantly think of somebody else's needs and, and, and how there's things like self-seeking and hypocrisy that can get in the way of those things and we should make sure we don't do those things or feel those things. And I was trying to, to get us to have the attitude adjustment that we have a stronger congregation, we have a stronger body of Christ here. This morning, we're going to talk about our attitude towards those outside the body of Christ, those that are outside the, uh, the fold, so to speak, those that, that, that we meet 
in this life and what kind of attitude should we have towards those people because there's some people that I've examined in my own life that I've had a poor attitude towards I have a great attitude towards my brothers and sisters in Christ or my family but sometimes I meet people and my attitude is not so great and I want us to have that attitude adjustment of how we should act and how we should treat those people and what our attitude towards towards those people should be and we need to have an attitude that everyone outside the body of Christ needs to be in the body of Christ. That every person, that they are a soul that needs to be saved. And you may be the only person that brings that message to them. And there's all kinds of people, there's all kinds of walks of life, but do we give them the time of day? They're worth our time. And that might sound terrible, but sometimes we might think that way. It's like we see somebody or we meet somebody and be like, ah, might not be worth my time. That person just curses all the time, or they get drunk, or they drink all the time, or maybe they're living a sinful lifestyle. Maybe they're living a life of, of sin in, in certain things, or maybe they're identifying themselves incorrectly, if you understand what I mean. And we see those people, and we see those lifestyles, and, you know, do we sometimes think, well, I don't, I don't know if it's worth my time to talk to that person. And I want us to think about this morning that every person that we meet is worth our time to talk to. Every person is worth our time to pray for. Every person is worth our time to bring that person to the feet of Jesus Christ. And everybody is, is worth that time. So anybody that is outside the body of Christ, they need to be in the body of Christ. And we are the instruments of God. And we are the ones that are, are, are meant to go out and do those things. We have that, that, that love for each other. We have the attitude towards our brothers and sisters. Let's take that out. Let's take that love towards the rest of humanity and have the attitude towards those people. And God feels the exact same way. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-serving to usward, not willing, that any, not, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That, that day is coming. That day is absolutely coming. That is a promise that that day is coming. And it says here that God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. Now, some will, but he, does, he, wants, he wants everyone to come to repentance. But it is our job to make sure that we bring that message to those people. And even if we see someone that claims to be a, a Satan worshiper or a devil worshiper, guess what? God wants that person. God wants that person. He wants that soul. And it is worth our time to bring that message or to pray to those people that God is not willing that anybody should perish. And we need to have that attitude of thinking that way towards all those people that we meet. You know, the Bible says in that, excuse me, that no, God is not willing that any should perish, that he wants all people to come unto him. And we should have that same attitude. You know, in, in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, the Bible says, Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? You know, it says here that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He has no pleasure in that. That he wants them to turn. And that turning away, that is repentance. That's, that's what God wants. He wants everyone to turn from their ways and turn unto him. And we should have that attitude when we see somebody who's doing things or saying things or someone who's living a life or a lifestyle that we don't approve of, we still need to understand that God wants that person to turn from those things. And he wants that person to turn towards him. And it is our responsibility for those outside that we walk worthy, that we have the attitude towards those people, and we bring them in. 
No, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16, the Bible says, and, said, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That that is part of our responsibility, is, is part of our job. That anybody that we see, that anybody that we meet, no matter what they're doing or how they're living their life, that is a, a creature, that is a person, that is that we are supposed to bring that gospel to. Bring that gospel to and bring those people to believe and be baptized and be saved. But many times that I've encountered people, I mean, it's very easy for, uh, for me to go to Monty or, or go to Ian or Miranda or Toys like, hey, you want to study? Because they already want to study. But it's really hard for me to go to somebody else and say, do you like to study the Bible? Ask those questions. And if they say no, you can still pray for that person. We still need to have the attitude that that person needs to be in, in the body of Christ. And there's people that I have shied away from. Not quite in disgust, but I'm just like, I, it's, what's the point with this person? Have you ever thought that way? And if you have, you should not think that way. That is wrong. We have those thoughts sometimes. And what's the point in me talking to, to this person about Jesus Christ? Well, it's a great point that we are supposed to preach the gospel to every creature. That we should have the attitude that those people need to be in the body of Christ. But I want us to examine our attitude this morning. What kind of attitude towards you do you have towards those people outside the body of Christ? If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 32. Luke chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 24. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 24. As we read this, this is, this is the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story or it's a parable that we know really well. A story of how a young man asked his father for his livelihood, for his living, and then he went and wasted it with riotous living, or he went and wasted it with, with reckless living or wicked living. And that younger son wasted all his money. He did all these things. And then he came to himself. He wasn't in his right mind. He was sick, so to speak, and was in need of a physician. And he came to himself, and he went back home to his father. And his father welcomed him with opening arms. Do you recall that story? There's another figure in, in, that, in that story that I would like us to study this morning, and that's the older son. In Luke chapter 15, verses 24, here the younger son has come back. The father has received the, the, the younger son, put a robe on him, put shoes on his feet, put a ring on his finger, and made him like a king. That, that's what the father did for that younger son that came back. But the older son here says in verse 24, For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. So that, that one that was lost is found, he's come home. Verse 25, the Bible says, Now his elder son was in the field, and it came and drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends." Verse 30, but as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So here we see the older brother, and guess what? He has a very poor attitude. He has an attitude towards his his young, uh, uh, towards his younger brother, that is not good. And he says, this thy son, 
Can you feel that anger, that, that disgust in his voice? He said, this thy son that wasted your, your, your living with, with harlots or with whores. That's what he did. He went and did those things, and he lived a terrible life. And the older brother's like, that's disgusting. This disgusting son came back, and you treated him so well. And he said, what about me? And he's thinking selfishly. He's a self-seeking person. And we talked about that the last Sunday morning. I had the opportunity to speak. But do we have that attitude towards those people that are out living a lifestyle like that? What if we get to bring that person back? You see, those people are lost. And sometimes those that are lost are not going to get found if people aren't seeking what is lost. And it's our job to seek those people that are lost. But we want to make sure that we don't have the attitude of that older brother. That, yeah, it's a family thing. It's his brother, but still, that there are those that are out doing the, the, the same things. Do we look down on those people? Are we better than those people? So that's why we think that they're not worth our time. They are worth our time. Every soul is a soul that needs to be saved, and every soul needs to be in the body of Christ. And we can do those things. We have the attitude towards all people that they need to be saved. You know, right before this, in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10, there's another parable. There's actually three parables that Jesus speaks on, talking about this same kind of concept to those that he was speaking to there. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 8 through, through 10, Jesus says, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house to seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there's a joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So she had these coins, and one coin is lost. And she searches diligently to find that coin. And, and it says there she had 10 pieces of silver, and she lost one, and she had to sweep over the whole house. When she found that coin, do you think it might have been dirty? She had to sweep. It could have been under the floorboards, or it could have been somewhere. And she found that piece of silver. And that, that piece of silver that could have been dirty that was lost... It's just as valuable as those other pieces of silver. There's no difference there. And when she finds that piece that was lost, she rejoices because it was lost. But what did she do when she lost it? She, she diligently looked for it. She went about sweeping. She went about and did everything she could to find that one piece that was lost. Because even if it was dirty and it was disgusting, once you washed it, that piece of silver was just as important as those other pieces of silver. Every soul is worth saving. There's no difference. And she rejoiced with me, for I found the peace which was lost. You know, I found that if I lose something, I'll never find it if I don't look for it. That many times that there are those that are lost outside the body of Christ. If we don't look for those people and try to bring those people in, it's not going to happen. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. I appreciate Monty Paul reading that for us this morning. Luke chapter 8, 18, verses 9 through 14 is a parable that I've spoken on several times that you are probably familiar with of the, of the, of the Pharisee and the publican. I want to read that again here for just a moment. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, the Bible says, And he spake this parable unto a certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I put this in there because if you study this and you look at that Pharisee, he has a poor, terrible attitude. 
He said, I am so much better than this publican. And we should not have that same attitude that he says, look at all the things that I do. I'm sitting in church every Sunday morning. I'm sitting in church every Wednesday night. I'm doing all those things. I am better than somebody else. Do we have those attitudes or do we think that way? I hope that we don't, that we don't think like this Pharisee, that at least I'm not like this publican. At least I'm not like this guy here. The publican understood that he humbled himself before God because we are all sinners. The Pharisee was no better than the publican, and the publican no better than the Pharisee. The publican understood how bad he was and humbled himself and asked God for, for, for forgiveness. But we, we want to make sure that we don't have that attitude towards anybody else outside this body of Christ. It's like, well, at least we're not like that person who never goes to church, who never does any of these things. If we have that attitude, we're not going to bring the gospel of Christ to that person. We need to have an attitude of that we love that person, that we want that person to be saved. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> I should have mentioned it. We're going to be in the book of Luke a lot this morning. There's, there's lots of things in the book of Luke that are excellent for us adjusting our attitudes this morning. Luke chapter 5, beginning of verse 12. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, beginning of verse 12, the Bible says, And it came to pass when, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. But he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show thyself to the priests and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear him and to be healed by him of their infirmities. I want to stop right there for a moment. You know, this man was a leper. He was full of leprosy. And guess what? Nobody is going to him because he's got a sickness that you can't touch. He's got a sickness that, that, that you can't be near. But he, as he said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was willing, and Jesus went and cleansed him of his leprosy. That many times we might, might see people in that, in that light or in that form that we can't get near that person. There's no hope for that person. They've, they've got a sickness. They've got this leprosy, so to speak, or they've got that inner soul leprosy. Jesus Christ can cleanse that person just like he did this person that was full of, of leprosy. But we've got to tell them, we've got to show them that Jesus was not shy about going to, uh, to someone with a condition like that. That we as well, if we encounter people that we have that same feeling, bring them to Jesus. Get in there and be with those people. Continuing on in verse 16, the Bible says, And he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 17, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there, was a, that, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of the city, town of Galilee, and Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a, brought in a bed and a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went on to, on, upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling <clears throat> with, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto the man, unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Verse 21. And the scribes of the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who could forgive sin but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? 
but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thy house. And immediately he rose up before him, before them and took up that whereon he laid and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things this day. So in this story here, there's, there's a man that is sick. He's, he, 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 he is sick of the palsy. He can't move. He's, he's bedridden. And there's these men that want to get him to Jesus. Why? Because he needs to be healed. Can anybody else do something like that? Absolutely not. And they did whatever they could to bring that person to Jesus. They broke the roof up and let him down. I, I imagine some rope or something. And they let this guy down so he could get in because there were so many people around Jesus. They couldn't get this person in through the door. They had to come through the ceiling. But it was worth their effort. It was worth their time. They had the attitude towards this person that if we want this person to be healed, we've got to get him to Jesus. And it's going to do whatever we can to get him to the feet of Jesus. So much as to break up a roof and let this person down. And Jesus saw their faith and he said, man, your, your sins are forgiven you. And then he, he healed him of, 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 his, of his illness as well. And he went on about his way. But what I want us to have is that when we see people that are in a condition that nobody else but Jesus Christ can fix. And that's sin. Nobody else can save you. Nobody else can heal you. Nobody else can cleanse you but the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to get those people, but it might require a lot of effort. You might have to go talk to, to somebody that you might not want to talk to. You might need to go visit with somebody that you don't want to visit to. You might be in an element or an environment with people that you don't want to be in. But it's worth the effort. It's worth that effort to bring that, pre, that person to the feet of Jesus Christ. Because we should have the attitude that that person needs to be saved. And we need to have the effort to bring them to Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 51. This is a Psalm of David. Psalm chapter 51, verses 7 through 13. The Bible here says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, David here is, is, is having a bad time. He's going through a rough time here. And it says, wash me so that I could be whiter than snow. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. David knows where to go. David knows the person that can create a clean heart. David knows the person that can, can cleanse him and wash him whiter than snow. And he goes to that person. And he asks God, he says, please do this for me because he's broken. Verse 11, it says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You know, the best way for us to have an attitude towards those people is to let us understand that we were those people. We were the people that were outside the body of Christ. And sometimes I think that we might forget that. That we were the man or the woman that was sick of, 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 of the palsy. Or we might have been that person that had leprosy. And what happened? Somebody took the time and the effort, had the attitude that we were worth it and brought us to Jesus. Because that is the one that can cleanse us. So recall and remember your cleansing. Just like David here says, God created me a clean heart and fixed me and, and I will teach transgressors your ways. I will teach sinners your ways. That way they can be converted. Why? Because it is important. David's like, I was that person. I was that leper, and I was cleansed. And Dave said, now I'm going to tell somebody else about it. I'm going to tell transgressors and teach them your ways. 
that if we recall that we were just like those people and that someone brought us in, well, let's do them a favor. Go back out and talk to those people and bring them in just like somebody did for us. That's the attitude that we should have towards those outside the body of Christ. Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13 here the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his, his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? They're like, Why is he doing that? Why is Jesus, Jesus the Son of God, or Jesus the Master here, the rabbi, saying, why is he sitting there eating with publicans and sinners? We just talked about a publican, right? You know how some of them see the publicans, don't you? That they were lesser, they were lower. And it says here, he's sitting there eating with these people. Shouldn't he be sitting there eating with, with us? And it says there in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, the Bible says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So it says there that he says, Those that are whole have, not, have no need of a physician, but those that are sick. But sometimes somebody that's sick doesn't know that they're sick or they don't know that they need a doctor. Think about your children. I think about my children. We know they're sick. They're going to say they're not sick. Absolutely not. I'm good. We know what they need. They need a doctor. They need a nurse to give them a shot or give them a shot. I said that a couple of times so my kids would, oh, no shots. That they need that doctor. They need those nurses. They need that. But sometimes kids don't understand. They don't get it. They're coughing, and, and do you feel, I feel fine. Well, no, you don't feel fine. But we know where the physician is, the one and only true physician that can heal that inner sickness, that can heal that inner leprosy, and that's Jesus Christ, that's God, that we need to bring those people. And, and that's what Jesus is saying, that I will have mercy. He wants to have mercy on who? On the sinners. Have mercy on those that are sick. Have mercy on them. But here's the thing. We've got to take this book and take that and spread it around. Take that book and bring it to those people outside the body of Christ so we can bring them into the body of Christ. Because it's well, well worth it, brothers and sisters. Somebody did it for you, and we need to do it for everybody else. Now, we need to bring them to that physician and that doctor that can cleanse them. You know, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, the Bible says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So he's, t he's telling those that are Gentiles there that he said you've been circumcised inside he said you've been circumcised with the circumcision of Jesus Christ and it says how by this by verse 12 where it says buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with them hath forgiven all your trespasses you know this is the operation of God that those that are sick, those publicans or those sinners or all those people, we need to bring them to the physician, bring them to the doctor, and then he can perform that operation that those that are buried with, it, with him in baptism are cleansed. That's when you come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's when the operation of God happens. And here's the thing. A lot of people don't know that. They just don't. We need to bring it to them, that we need to have the attitude that that person needs this operation. They need this sickness cleansed. They need that physician, that it is worth their time. Even people that you think got to be the worst sinner ever. Well, there's some really bad sinners in the Bible, and they're saved. There's some really bad sinners, 
and they are cleansed. There's nothing that God cannot cleanse. There's nothing that Jesus Christ cannot make whole. And that's what we need to bring to those people. I mean, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He was, he was so dead they said that he stunk. And sometimes those people that are outside feel that way. They feel that they, they, they stink or they feel that they've got so much sin, there's nothing that can be done. It can be done. Jesus can cleanse them. Jesus can make them whole with that operation of God. But we got to be the people that go out and bring that message to them. Buried with them in baptism, we're also you're risen to walk through faith of the operation of God. We need to bring these people to the hospital. Bring them to this place where they can be fixed and be cured and be healed. And have the attitude that we want that for that person. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. As we start to close here, I, I want us to think about this so we can take this with us, so that we can bring these things with us as we leave this place. You know, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, the Bible says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, withal praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance, to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. I would like to read these verses again in the New King James Version, just to kind of help us understand and clarify some of that language there. Colossians chapter 4 again, verses 2 through 6 in the New King James Version. The Bible says, continue earnestly in prayer, being, being a vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walking wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. <clears throat> the Bible here is, is saying that you need to pray. And Paul is saying here in Colossians, pray for us that a door would be open to us, that we can go speak the mysteries of Christ. That's his prayer. He said, don't, don't pray for those. Pray that we can for those outside. And it says here, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. That means those that are outside, literally outside doors. That if you study that, that, that that's what Paul is writing here. That's what the Bible is bearing out that that is saying, make sure that you pray for us so that we can bring that message to those that are outside. That's our job and our responsibility. We need to make sure that the people in this room are strong and core and that we have those relationships with each other and build upon those relationships so that we can go out and do the work. And we need to have an attitude towards those that are outside or those that are without that they need to be in. That here it says that you would pray that a door would be open for us. You know, if we don't go out and visit with people, if we don't have an attitude that we love that person and want that person to be saved, we're not going to have the opportunity to have a door be open. We need to be nice to everybody. We need to be courteous. And sometimes it might not be a Bible study. Sometimes it might just be living a Christian life, being courteous to that person, caring about that person, being nice to that person. We can be nice. And it says if we be nice and we live that Christian life, we may bring people in just by doing that. But make sure that we understand that we should have that attitude towards those people that are without and to bring them in because that's our job. Once again, it says in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. We are the instruments of God. We are the ones that bring that message to those people no matter who that person is, no matter what that person does, that we should have an attitude that that person needs to be sitting right here. 
with us. And they're not going to be in these chairs. They're not going to be in this room if we don't go bring that message to them. That those that are outside, we need to pray for them. And that might be one of the things that you can start doing now. You might think of somebody right now this morning as I've described some people. It's like, oh, I've, I know somebody that is just like that. Well, one thing you can do right now is pray for that person. Take the time to pray for those people that are living those lives or doing those things. And then maybe you can have another opportunity to just to be nice to them. And then maybe have another opportunity to speak to them. And those doors keep opening and keep opening and keep opening so that we can bring them to the feet of Jesus Christ. Because we need to preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. This morning, if you are not a child of God, if you have not been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to arise and walk in the newness of life, have that operation performed upon you that, that we just talked about this morning. If you have that, th- that desire, if you know that you have that sickness that needs to be cured, well, this is the only place that it's going to happen. It's here in this place with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. We have water. We are prepared to assist you with, with, with that so that you can come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are not a child of God, but you realize that you've had some poor attitudes, maybe you've had some poor attitude towards your coworkers. Maybe you've had some poor attitude towards your classmates, that those that are living something that you just really want to step back and not kind of get into. Well, you can still pray for those people. You can still be an example. We should be nice and courteous and loving to everybody that we meet so that we can bring them in and be that light and be that example. If you, if you need the prayers of the church or there's anything else that we can help you with, we'd ask you to please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.